0: Be still and know that God is here, be still and know that God is here, be still and know that God is here. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, Amen. Let us pray. The grace and the impatience to wait. In our secret yearnings, we wait for your coming, and in our grinding despair, we doubt that you will. And in this privileged place, we are surrounded by witnesses who yearn more than do we, and by those who despair more deeply than do we. Look upon your church and its pastors in this season of hope, which runs so quickly to fatigue, and this season of yearning, which becomes so easily quarrelsome. Give us the grace and the impatience to wait for your coming to the bottom of our toes, to the edges of our fingertips. We do not want our several worlds to end. Come in your power and come in your weakness, in any case, and make all things new. Amen. It was two weeks before my college graduation at Ohio Wesleyan University. I had come home late that evening after singing at a coffee house 30 minutes away in Columbus, Ohio. I was tired and annoyed when I realized there was no parking in the lot behind the women's house where I was living with 12 other honor students. Three hours later, I was lying in bed, still awake, staring at the ceiling, thinking about how hard it is to go to sleep after performing. I have always been an early-to-bed, early-to-rise person, except on nights when I sing. Then I seem to have endless energy and an inability to fall asleep easily. Well, that inconvenience was my biggest blessing that night, because had I been sound asleep, I most likely would have not lived through what was about to happen. The first thing I remember was hearing a loud male voice yelling fire, and since men weren't allowed in our house at night, I remember getting out of my bed mostly because of the voice was something loud and unfamiliar. Then the next 30 minutes were kind of a blur, but I remember my scorching hand on a hot doorknob as I tried to leave my room, and then standing at the top of the stairs, feeling like I was in an oven, and looking down at a fire on the first floor below. There was no other way out of the house, because the fire escape had been blocked with all of the luggage and junk that us college students had put there, and I had no intention of breaking and jumping out of a window. I didn't know what to do. What I did know was that this might be the end of my life and my world. I was confronted with what I thought was the beginning of an ending. Needless to say, I didn't die that night, but rather only learned firsthand about smoke inhalation and how fast I can actually run downstairs and out through a burning building when I have to. I found myself remembering that story over the years when the first Sunday of the church season called Advent comes around. For the last few years, I have put myself back in that place of staying awake and an urgency Of what it means to stand in a burning building. Each year I have been flooded with memories about that experience that night, standing literally in this house of fire, because there was an urgency in that moment, perhaps not unlike some of the moments we hear described in scripture lessons for today, including the prophet Isaiah's apocalyptic words in the Hebrew scripture. The psalmist's plea for God's forgiveness and restoration of a people scorned by their enemies. And in the Gospel according to Mark, Jesus imploring his disciples to stay awake, be aware, and keep alert for what they cannot know, but is imminent. Whether standing in a burning building or hearing words like these from Scripture, the message is clearly about being present, about being awake, about paying attention, about being alert. All of this has me wondering about beginnings and endings as we move into an advent like we have never experienced before. A time when the idea of staying awake and waiting and stillness, though necessary, can feel like salt in a wound at a time where we have been waiting and losing and yearning and grieving for so much, it seems like, for so long and then I remembered the beautiful poem I used as an opening prayer by biblical scholar and theologian Walter Brueggemann. Its title may perhaps be the invitation that I have been looking for, an invitation for us as we set out on these next four Sundays leading us to Christmas, the invitation simply to be the grace and the impatience to wait. Regardless of your experience in the church, whether Advent is a season you have loved or maybe never thought very much about, I suspect we all at this time of year and at this time in our lives and in the world, we have some similarities. After months of traveling through a plethora of pandemics, many of us are suffering, we're grieving, many of us are struggling and in desperate need of a hope-filled path to move forward. Advent is the season that takes its name from the Latin word Adventus, which translates into coming. It invites us to look for what we call the second coming of Christ as much, if not more, than remembering of the first coming of Christ in the embodiment of a fragile baby in an out-of-way place on a dark night called Jesus in Bethlehem. There seems to be a very real tension built into this season if we in the Church embrace all of what this season asks us to attend to, the grace and the impatience to wait. Maybe this invitation is about more than one thing in many ways. It seems to be about both the inbreaking of God or Christ's consciousness or love in our lives, pulling us deeper into a way of being that does call upon our better angels, the grace and the impatience to wait, as we try to live our best lives full of compassion for ourselves and for others. And it is also a birth narrative, and all that goes along with that story the grace and the impatience, experienced by every parent throughout eternity. We must remember that in this season calling us into grace and impatience of waiting, we are moving into unfamiliar territory. We are called to let go of our attachments to not just some, but to all of our stereotypes and perceptions and judgments and opinions, attitudes, convictions, preferences, predilections and inclinations of what this new world may hold in store for us. In order for something new to be born, we must be willing to let something die and to suspend our need for control or the ability to predict an outcome. And as we let go of these things, we are invited into the darkness of this season, the darkness of our own souls, the darkness of the world around us. And if you don't think that exists, pick up a paper, turn on the TV, just sit at home alone for a few minutes and think about the dark time that we are all living through. We are invited this season into that darkness, not as one of despair, but as one of stillness, in order for hope to be born. A place that we cannot find our way out of by ourselves. I don't know about you, but personally I find this rather horrifying. I am more than just a bit reluctant to on purpose head down any dark corridor and begin preparing myself for something that by definition I can't possibly know or predict or control. And yet, that's pretty core to today's lessons. The emphasis is not on the warm and fuzzy side of preparing a place in a manger, but rather a description of the beginning of the end, kind of like standing at the top of the stairs in a burning building. So what would happen if this Advent, we focused on the grace and impatience to wait in our lives, wondering together, what we might find when we reach Bethlehem this year. I have no doubt that we need Advent this year. I know that I do. I believe we need a message of hope and path leading us beyond isolation and reassurance that we will weather this storm together. As a global community, we need the second coming of Christ, the radical inbreaking of God's radical love to pierce the darkness that engulfs us still with racism and xenophobia, poverty and war and homelessness, nuclear threats, inequality and environmental disasters. This is radical stuff, my friends, and not easy to embrace, but I pray we will open our hearts to be alert and responsive to all of it, with equal parts of grace and impatience. We are called to a specific kind of alertness to what is right in front of us. We have been tasked with work that is necessary for the flourishing of God's economy in our own spaces. The chaotic nature of our present time demands this attentiveness in every aspect of our lives. There is danger in complacency and risk in misinterpreting what we see and what we think we already know. There is also the gift of grace when we look around and see that we are tied one to another in this beautiful community of faith, traveling together even as we need to stay apart. The pandemics of global disease, political dysfunction, mental distress, and racial division continue to unsettle us, and they need to, in order for us to act and react from places Of impatience with grace filled with hope. We have done well these past months, opening our eyes together, and we have so much further to go. May we never turn back and never stop pushing forward towards healing and wholeness. It is the work of co-creating the kinship of heaven here and now. So may our Advent journey this year be filled with grace and impatience in our waiting and watching and wondering how and when and where Christ will come again and again and again. Keep alert, my friends. And to end where we started, give us the grace and the impatience to wait for your coming to the bottom of our toes, to the edge of our fingertips. We do not want our several worlds to end. Come in your power, come in your weakness, in any case, and make all things new. Oh, and stay away from burning buildings, but remember, God may be listening to Isaiah today and respond by tearing open the heavens and coming down. So let's be ready and do all we can to prepare a place for love to dwell in our hearts and in the world. May it be so.